0: Um. Well, you know, I you dealt with it recruiting. Yeah. I had Northern New Jersey. Yep. I had never been out of the state of Connecticut as a young person, other than, yeah, obviously vacations with my family. No cell phones, no GPSs. I mean, I mean, you hey, know, hey, the,
1: how about how about recruiting Jersey City with a map on your seat, trying to get oh from my high school? God. To-
0: and I'd never <laughs> seen a jersey barrier. I'd be going down 17. No High school would be right there, <laughs> no but I had to go 20 miles. I didn't know what a jug had to. Oh my.
2: Welcome, everybody, to the Westcon Football Podcast. Bart Vestern, along with Coach Joe Loth. Very special guest, as all of them have been so far, with us today. We're going to be joined by Coach Frank Leonard, who uh, I feel like Keith Morrison on Dateline—a very special breed of WestCon football coach, because he uh, came not once but twice to uh, to work with the program over the years, and has since had one of the more interesting and
1: truly exciting uh, football careers as a coach here in the U.S. Yeah, without a question. And I'm excited that Coach Leonard is here today because if you look at the history of Western Connecticut football, it's a little bit over 50 years, and there's definitely eras. Like the first year is 1969, didn't have a winning season until the mid-'80s, like as far as starting off. So there was some growing pains with this program. And then when Coach Leonard arrived with Coach Pasqualoni and some other guys, It's the first real era of success here football-wise at Western Connecticut. And it was before I was here. I wasn't here until the mid-'80s, my first run here at Western Connecticut before I left and came back. So I'm so interested to talk to Coach Leonard, and I've heard some of the stories, but just to kind of dig into the history of Western Connecticut football, how they got so good so quick, and just, some, like I said, some of the stories that go along with that. Yeah, and uh, it's it's amazing.
2: Coach Pasconi used to – Refer when I would chat with Coach B. Uh, back in the back in the day, when I would chat with Coach <laughs> B, uh, he would refer to Frank as the 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 Rolodex guy, the file card guy, and, and he would say, you know, Bart Barbasturno, don't let Frank Leonard deceive you. You can hear if you if you go silent, you can hear the file cards flipping, and and that and and that really is Frank always thinking ahead. Always coming up with stuff and and being there, boom like that for his head coach uh, to lean on and rely on. Uh, that was you know that was Frank Leonard, and it continues to this day. And you know it's true because he wouldn't have been at so many outstanding programs, including right now the nationally ranked Nittany Lions of Penn State,
1: without a question. And Coach Leonard is the epitome of a what I call a professional coach. A guy that's basically, I think he taught one year of high school and has and coached in co- the collegiate level or the professional level his entire career. You look at his resume, you look at his biography, he's been at 100 different places three or four years at a time, would move on, success, at a, both sides of the ball. I and mean, he is a professional college football coach and uh, just a great guy to talk to about the business too. Well,
2: coming up in just a few moments, Coach Loth, one-on-one with Coach Leonard. Two guys, two guys who've made two stops at WestCon. It's right here on the WestCon Football Podcast.
1: Let me start off by saying I'm excited that you're here today. because Well, thank you. Because I joined, you know, I was a young coach at Western Connecticut from 93, I think, to 96 and then I came back, oh. and, I'm, you know, I've been the head coach here for the last 10 years. Yep. So so kind of my history of Western Connecticut starts in 93. Oh, so you go back. Yeah, I go back, but I don't go as far back as you do. So, well. I, so you know, with 50 years of football, I'm excited to talk to someone that's been here. Because, you know, if you look at Western Connecticut, there's the heirs of football. From 70, whenever they started, 69 till early 80s, there was no yeah. winning seasons kind of, you know, not really committed to football, and then things... Oh, God, cha- yeah, I remember. Yeah, so then things changed, when, when obviously, you're in that era where things changed, so I'm excited yeah. to kind of talk to you, but before we start, do you want to kind of give your background a little bit, and kind of your football uh, biography for everyone?
0: Sure, you want me to do it now? Yeah, Joe? let's do
1: it now, yeah.
0: Okay, so um, I'm in my 42nd year of football. Um, my I'm from uh, Weathersfield, Connecticut, a suburb of Hartford, I played college football at the central Connecticut. And uh, I wanted always to be a high school phys ed teacher and football coach. And I did that at Weathersfield high school in 1981, my eligibility ended in 80. And then for the last 41 years, I have been a uh, part-time and full-time division three coach, part-time full-time division two coach, part-time full-time one double a coach. I've coached in, uh, um, the Big 12, the ACC, the Big East, and now um, I'm involved in the Big 10. I worked for the New England Patriots for three years as a national scout, just looking at uh, the top college offensive linemen in the country. And then uh, I worked for the St. Louis Rams. Um, My first year as the tight ends coach, and then my second year I worked with the tackles as well as being the tight ends coach. And uh, now most recently, obviously, the 42nd year, um, I'm a senior analyst at Penn State, and uh, I work with the offensive line, and I work a little bit with the tight ends. And uh, you know, I've coached most every position, m- mainly of the 40 plus years. Um, offensive line and tight ends has been the bulk of it. Probably a little, probably around 30 of the 40. Again, 40 plus years. Yep. Now, yeah. coach,
1: what about Western? What was your kind of time period at Western and, and all that? And what you? Oh, coach okay. Here? So
0: now. I, uh, I coached high school football at my alma mater in 81 and then in the summer of 1982 I was going to go do the same thing and then uh, I got a call from coach Pasqualoni, who uh, I knew my head coach Bill Loika and uh, at Central Connecticut and he asked who would like to coach you know who do you think would be a good college football coach or would like to go into that end of it and coach Loika said I think Frank Leonard so I went to coach pascaloni called me in July of 1982 and Had me drive down to Danbury and got me on the board, and uh, um, I coached the D line for Coach Pasqualoni from 1982 uh, to 1984, and then I coached, went back to coach the D line at Central Connecticut, my alma mater, 85 and 86, and then when Coach Pasqualoni went to Syracuse as the linebackers coach, and Chris Ripon became the head coach, I went back to Western Connecticut, 87 to 89 as the offensive line coach and then in 88 89 the offensive line coach and the offensive coordinator and uh it was a great experience for me to coach the offensive line it was probably one of the more difficult things i had done so i just spent i spent a good six of my first eight years in college coaching at the uh, at western connecticut and I have some really cool memories
1: so so speaking of that like let's talk about when you started at western connecticut because like like just looking at the records, they had never had a winning season until obviously Coach P came in and you guys came yeah. in. So kind of what, what did you guys take over and kind of how you know what how did you guys transform <laughs> it?
0: Well, it's funny. Uh, Coach P brought some guys, Chris Ripon, Mars Petrasio, who's probably one of the senior high school football coaches other than Lou Marinelli in the state of Connecticut. He brought Billy Bono. So those three from s- southern Connecticut where Coach P was the s- uh, defensive coordinator – for Kevin Gilbride and previously uh, of George DeLeon. And then he brought myself um, the first two years from central Connecticut and then third year, um, Steve Adagio, who was my college teammate. But it was funny. Our first year, you know, I tell this story often. I have a great old picture of all of us. But our first year in 1982, we had Joe, I think I always tell the story that we had 32 players on the team. I think
1: like, maybe like thirty-five. Started the yeah. season with thirty-two.
0: Start of the season, yeah. Wow. We um, we all got there in July, and Coach Pascoloni basically taught us how to coach, and uh, we would practice on that. I think now, I don't know if it's off of White Street. It's the street that leads in to yep. go into the gym. That if you take a right on yes, White behind, Street, it's, but it's, it's okay.
1: across from Berkshire Hall, basically. That yeah, road it's across right from there. Berkshire yep.
0: Hall. So back then, we didn't have a game field. We didn't have a practice field. That was our practice field. So we would go um, across from Berkshire Hall over to that field. It was all dirt and glass. I think it was an old (laughs) high school field or an old Pop Warner field. I think it was the old high school field. And we had on defense, uh, Chris Rippon coached the secondary. I coached the Um, D-line. Mars Petrasio coached the outside linebackers. And Billy Bono coached um, the inside linebackers. And we would have to be scout team i mean i literally (laughs) had god i had vinnie catania i had uh, bobby miles uh, bobby brant transferred from uh from southern connecticut and uh, um and we literally i think i had five defensive linemen and uh um and we would practice on that field and there was a Vietnamese population
1: heard that would this. watch
0: us in the Saigon squad. I heard about for two that. Hours. I was going to ask yeah. you
1: that question because I heard that story. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It was amazing. We would go through and, uh, and, uh, we would practice. And again, on offense, it was coach Pascaloni. It was, uh, um, Alex Trasaco, who was a Southern Connecticut, um, uh, graduate. He coached the O line, uh, uh, Mike Volcano helped a little. And, uh, God, I th- I think that was it for on, on the offensive side of the ball, at least in 1982. And so we would practice, and again, that you know, that that population would come out, they would be intrigued by football, and they would sit there for a number of hours watching us in the Saigon squad. And that year, we were two and seven, and that was the most wins uh Western Connecticut had in, I don't know, maybe ever in probably one ever. season. It was maybe probably ever. Yeah. 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 And then, uh, so that was our first year. And then we might have beat Curry, and we beat somebody else who struggled at the time. And then we went out, and uh, uh, the, the the recruiters were myself. I had Connecticut. I had New, Northern New Jersey. I had never been out of the state of Connecticut. <laughs> this was in the you know the winter of '83, um, and I had Rhode Island with Coach Pasqualoni. Chris Ripon I had New York. Um, and I really think, basically, it was Coach P, myself, Chris Ripon, a little bit of Mars, Marsh, you know, was still finishing his degree at Southern Connecticut, and we recruited our fannies off. We, back then, I was telling some of the young coaches here at Penn State, from the end of the season, I don't know, Joe, until the springtime, you know, once we got off the road and we had people visiting, there were no recruiting weekends at Western Connecticut we would have anywhere from 15 to 40 kids a day for, I don't know, two months. Yep. And it, by the time this, you know, by the time coach Pascaloni cut us loose in, uh, in the end of May, beginning of June, we were at all like we were Chris Ripon and I were exhausted because we had a little office. It was coach P it was Chris Ripon and myself. That was it. everybody else was They, they bugged out. And, uh, and so that's really what led to the seven and three and nine and one season, seven and three uh, um, in 80, in 80, might've been seven, two and one, but seven and I think it was seven and three in eight. Yeah. It was seven and three. Cause we got beat by in, in 1983, we got beat by Plymouth state. They had Joe Dudek, a great player. We got beat by mass maritime, not Maine maritime. And we got beat. I was just telling these guys, we got beat by on, on a hail mary at Nichols at, at night at Old Webster High School Field, and then the following year, we uh, we were nine and one and uh, and got beat by Joe Dudek again in Plymouth State. But wow, I mean it was it was wild. It was a lot of fun. But I can remember schools came to play at Western Connecticut. and They were used to you know we didn't have any you know they had mixed uniforms. They didn't have any players, and then you could see the look on these people's face. When they came to Berkshire Hall and were getting dressed, and they saw our team, now we had kids from Jersey, from New York, from Massachusetts, from Connecticut, and now from 32 kids we had, you know, 85, 90, 100 kids, and we were a different team. Hey, coach, yeah, talk about was fun.
1: Yeah, talk, yeah, yeah. And once again, it, one of the great turnarounds in college football, right? At any level, from where? Yeah. Talk about a little bit, you know, because you guys were known for running a unique offense a little bit, and kind of, you know. Uh, the option and kind of some of the things you guys did to really yeah. turn things around.
0: Well, here's how it started. Again, I was on defense, but I came from central Connecticut and our head coach, Bill Loika had done a tremendous job. We were a division two school and he ran the wishbone. So when coach Pasqualoni got the job, he called coach Loika and, and he wanted it to run because of our personnel, the triple option. And we certainly ran it in 82. And so coach Pasqualoni spent time with Bill Loika and got all the notes on the wishbone offense, and uh, Coach P did a tremendous job, and we ran the wishbone. Now, again, we we you know fuddled our way through in in '82, but then we've got uh, Scott Haney. He was a yep. transfer from Army. We got John. He was a, he was a running back. We got John uh, John Adams was an offensive lineman transferred from Southern Connecticut. And uh, Pat Hackett, but Pat was on the defense, he was a beautiful kid from Cheshire, Connecticut, played strong safety. Uh, Duryorio, um, another fella uh, um, from southern Connecticut via Cheshire. And in '83, um, we ran the wishbone, uh, and, and we were you know, triple option, double option, we ran the drive play, we ran play action. Tom Delahaney was the tight end, along with you know, years after that, Bobby Rapkin, and uh, um. You know, we had a couple really, you know, originally uh, Tommy Hardiman was our quarterback. And then Wade Miller, yeah. I think it was Wade Miller, um, was our quarterback when we really started rolling. Although Tommy Hardiman did a great job. But Wade really kind of took us. Um, we called him Suede. We, you know, really <laughs> took us to the next level. And uh, and then we really started denting people with that offense. They had trouble, um, um, you know, trouble defendant. I mean, uh, John Adams, who I'm sure still comes to the games. John Adams was like, you know, 340 pounds. He was a Chester native, and coach got him down about 295. And I mean, we we really had uh, we really had a hell of an offensive line. So.
1: And what were you guys doing defensively?
0: You know, it's funny. I 42 years ago, <laughs> I can remember. 'cause I was a D line coach. We were a, a true three four team. Yep. I coached the nose and, and the and we called it 70 Will, 70 Sam. Um and, and uh we were a two three four we were a true three four team. And uh we had Jimmy Jamie Prunny was an outside backer. Um still holds and, a sack
1: uh, he still holds a sack record here.
0: Yeah, yeah Jamie uh, Marsh Petroschia did a great job with the outside linebackers. Billy Bono with the inside linebackers uh um Matter of fact, one of our inside linebackers, boy, I'm usually pretty good na- with names. Uh, he went on to be a, a fighter pilot,
1: really?
0: um, a jet pilot. Yeah, and he did. I remember a preseason scrimmage in '83. I thought Coach Pasqualoni was gonna, you know, kill him, but uh, the kid hung in there. And so we were 30, we were 3-14, and then you know, in '83, 80, we had Pat Hackett was our strong safety. We, you know, we had some good kids in the secondary. We had. Uh, uh, you know, we went from uh, Eric Semenets in '82. That was probably five nine, two hundred pounds. Uh, and then he still played a little in '83. But we had a kid from New York City, Berkeley Alexander, was one. Uh, was the nose guard, McDonado Donato, was one defensive end in the three four. Bobby Brant was the other one. Jamie Prunty was one outside backer. Uh, Oh, Glenn Worthy.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, Glenn
0: Worthy was the other outside.
1: Great player here.
0: Great player. He's a he's a principal um, at a school in New Haven. Now he's done very well for himself. But we yeah. Glenn and Jamie were the outside backers. And the D line was just who I told you. And we had some really, uh, um, really good uh, inside backers. And, of course, again, Pat Hackett, a kid from Rhode Island that um, was a state trooper. and did a great job in the uh, Jamie Cowan. And Jamie might have passed away. He did. Jamie, Jamie had, Karen did
1: pass away. Yes. Yeah,
0: he was a state trooper in the state of uh, Rhode Island. And he he had, God, at one time, he might have maybe still to this day the interception leader at Western Yeah, United. I
1: think he is the interception leader. Actually, yeah. when I, when I yeah. coached here in the 90s, I coached a kid named Jay Arters. I think it was Jay. That uh-huh. was Jamie's uh, nephew. So there was. So is that right? Yeah, so I knew that name from, yeah. from the mid-90s too.
0: Yeah. So I don't know if you ever, t- have you ever heard the story? Kind of a, a need store. If you want me to tell it, if no, not, I want I to hear this.
1: You know what? You know what? Then, so, you know what? Real quick, Coach. The reason we're doing this is is I want to get the history of Western Connecticut football out there. You know, I want to get this okay. '80s era and stuff like that. So as many stories as, as um, I mean, I want to hear all this stuff.
0: Well, I told you about our practice in '82. So now, the '82 season ends in Western Connecticut, where now I think it's a science building um has. This field, where it's a soccer field.
1: Yeah, it is the science. And every day. Building. Now you
0: remember. Yeah. Now Coach Pasqualoni is—he's from a farm in Cheshire. He's got this, you know, whatever hundred-yard tape measure, and every day in the spring, he's measuring, he's measuring, and we're looking out there. What's he measuring? What's he measuring? And he convinces Georgette Ashkinney, the first AD there when we were there. He convinces her this can be a football field, and so. We're going to make it a football field. So now it's preseason of 1983. So we meet. We have, of course, in those days, double sessions, triple sessions. He brings his farm equipment from (laughs) Cheshire, and we meet till midnight. Now we're exhausted. We're all 23, 24. No No one's older than 24 years old. So it's really Chris Ripon, still the same defensive staff, Billy Bono, Chris Ripon, myself. Mars Petrasio. Uh, now we've got, now we've got uh, um, uh, Alex Trusacco left. But anyway, getting to the story. So now we're meeting till midnight in preseason 1983. Okay, it's August. And we're exhausted. But Mars Patracio and I, because other guys might say they did it. Ripon might say he did it, but he didn't do it. It was Mars and I, after these meetings, would have to go out midnight to the field, the new game field. And we'd have to move the watering system that you know the long <laughs> aluminum tubes that he brought from his farm in Cheshire. First of all, all summer we he would bring dirt and we would spread dirt around the field in the summer. Now in pre and he, we planted seed in preseason, and I, I don't think I'm embellishing at all. Regards, he brought dirt from his farm in Cheshire. Preseason, we would have to take these long watering uh, uh, tubes and move them from the hash, from one hash yep. at midnight to the other hash. And then Marce and I would wake up early in the morning and break down the whole, excuse me, I'll use the correct term, irrigation system. So we would practice in the morning. Wow. And uh, on this game field, and there were a couple of fields where the the, the, the grammar school, is the grammar school still there, Joe?
1: Across no, from no, Mercer actually it Hall? just got, I think it got torn down.
0: Oh, you know, we did. So there was a grammar school there, yeah. and there was a little play area. That's where we we used to have some scrimmages, and then I had my defensive line area in a little triangle by the tennis courts. Yep. Of course, they're not there. I don't think they're nope. there anymore because now the science building's there. But and so my God, I mean, that's where it was a long, arduous, you know, uh, process. You know, and but we did it every day. So
1: how did the field for the, look? Whole,
0: for the next two?
1: years how did the field look on game day game one pretty good
0: (laughs) pretty good you know pretty good and we had like a makeshift press box and uh oh back in those days wait a second we were all closer to the grammar school closer to berkshire hall we were all on the same side like the old minnesota vikings really we were towards the grammar school and the opposition and you know we would try to steal each other's signals. Yeah, we were all on the same side.
1: Yeah, yeah, stealing by listening, not by seeing. Right? <laughs>
0: yes. Oh, I can remember. I can remember the the UMass, uh, the, not UMass, Mass, Mass Maritime. They, they, his name was Kelly Red Kelly, I think. And they, they had a good team. And I remember listening to him. He would be, right, let's go slot left and run a play. And he goes, I ah, might as well run a motion for just for fun, you know? was like run a motion just for fun, but. The, the most, I tell you what, this is what we talk about today, to this day. In preseason, Joe, we would have to present our position and how we're teaching it. Yep. And on the bottom floor, I don't know if it's still there, um, in, in Berkshire Hall, there was this meeting room. And it wasn't very big, it was po- probably a conference room. And you would sweat bullets when before preseason started, after the coach's preseason, we would ha- I'd have to present D-line. Mars would have to present outside line, and so forth and so on. And, uh, oh, my God, you would be so nervous presenting, and Coach Pascalone would grill you yep. on, you know, the correct techniques and so. So um, that was, uh, you know, those are the things we went through, in, you know, in those days, and uh, – I mean, we had, you know we would take one bus, and you know that you know we were GA slash part timers. Yep. We we'd go and we'd have to drive vans. Here's a funny. One. So now we got a pretty good team, and and I think it's eighty, still eighty three or eighty four. So we're playing Westfield State on a Friday night. So we leave Danbury, and now we're hitting track through Danbury, and we're 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 leaving the same night. Through Danbury, through Waterbury, through Hartford. Now, it's a seven o'clock kickoff. And I mean, we don't arrive till like five after seven to Westfield State. The referees give us five minutes of warm up and then we proceed to play the game and we beat them like 52 to six or something <laughs> like that. But oh my God, we were all trying to get through the trap. Oh my gosh, my gosh.
1: You, you know what's interesting for me is is my first two years in 93 and 94, we actually uh, – my offices were in Berkshire Hall in the basement. Oh, God, yeah. We had the same offices. Then we transitioned to the O'Neill Center. Yeah, and, yeah. And now that I've come back that we, we built a new stadium and our offices are in the stadium, stuff like that. But I can definitely yeah. – I've definitely been in those meeting rooms you're talking about. And now,
0: is Mark Allen still there, Joe? Mark
1: Allen is still our athletic trainer.
0: I love – Oh, he's he's the athletic trainer.
1: He's our athletic trainer and I'm oh, st- yeah. trying to have him hang on still because he's 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 talking about retiring, but I do not want him to retire.
0: Oh, you know what? Mark Allen, when we first started out, well, really our first the whole time I was there, Mark Allen had that closet by the gym in Berkshire Hall. It was a storage closet. That was the training room. And I tell you what, even to this day, I bet you as little as two or three years ago. Now, I used to go see Coach Farrington, but yep. he's since retired, correct? Yep. And always loved walking around, you know, and I marveled over the stadium and the new gym. Always go see him. I loved going to see Mark Allen. Yep. Yeah.
1: Mark's the best. He they really do. is. Yeah,
0: so, great so, dude. So,
1: Coach, here's a question. So, you put the field, up, field up in 83. Where did you yeah. play your home games in 82?
0: Oh, great question. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have even skipped over that. So, we played – at Danbury High School okay. in 82. Yeah. Yeah, we used to drive over, and uh, um, they were always night games. Might have been Friday. I don't think That'd... they were Saturday night games. Yeah. They were Friday night games so so we could go scout on Saturday. Yep. And I remember what. and you had to come back with the right information. And I remember once Marsh Petroscu and I went to scout, scout Framingham State, in Western New England, if you didn't come back with the correct you know, information. But back then, there were no grandstands. There were no sidelines. So we're at Framingham State. Western New England is playing Framingham State. So Mark Petrosseo and I paid the bus driver $5 to go through the roof, you know, the hatch, the yep. escape hatch. And we were standing on the bus the whole game, and the head coach of Western New England looks up and he goes, what in the hell are you guys doing on top of my bus, get off my bus, get off my. <laughs> and I never forget. Like two weeks later, it was in '83. That's when we had good. Yeah, you know, we had good teams. And two weeks later, we're playing Framingham State, and and you know we we scouted them, and we go to Framingham State. Well, back then they had uniforms like the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they were we were beating them, but it, they they looked like the. I mean, they were mauling us on defense, and. A guy by the name of Jimmy Vicario, who's a Waterbury native, longtime coach for at Southern, New Haven's, and with us at Western, and he's he's needleing Coach Pasqualoni, or he's he's you know igniting Coach P. like Paul, you know, because he was Coach P's age, you know, and he's he's a you know uh, a a hot sketch, you know, a, a, a fiery little Italian guy, and he's going, Paul. Where did they get these guys? These guys look like the Pittsburgh Steelers, and Coach P is shooting us stares like. You didn't tell us about these guys going to be their <laughs> offensive. Where did these guys come from? We're like, Coach, it didn't look like this two weeks ago. You know what I mean? But, oh, my God. It was unbelievable. Hey, was coach,
1: coach, talk about – because this is uh, – talk about film exchange and stuff back then. And, uh, and- <laughs> James Cameron.
0: James Cameron was out of northern New Jersey. And so I, I got to tell you, I never had to do it. But Marce and Billy Bono, after the games, after we broke it down – and I can't – It would be midnight Saturday night, and they would have to drive – oh, no, yeah. They'd have to drive the canisters down. But, Coach,
1: back up. Coach, you got to explain the canisters now to these these people listening. Okay,
0: so it was – what was it? It was 16-millimeter film. Okay, so the games were filmed. Practice was never filmed. The games were filmed. It was 16-millimeter film, and we would have to – put them in the canisters, you know, they were about six inches in diameter and about a quarter, maybe yeah, a quarter of an inch in depth, bring them down to James Camera. James Cameron, I don't know, midnight, one in the morning, two in the morning, would process the film, and then they would bring the film back so we could watch the tape on Sunday morning. Mars and Billy would be exhausted. Chris and I didn't have to do that. So, oh, my God, it was amazing. I mean, you know. Now did you guys? Uh, well, ex- you know, I don't, you but, dealt with it recruiting. Yeah. I had Northern New Jersey. Yep. I had never been out of the state of Connecticut as a young person, other than yeah, obviously vacations with my family. No cell phones, no GPSs. I mean, I mean, you hey, know, hey, the,
1: got, how about how about recruiting Jersey City with a map on your seat, trying to get oh from my high school? God.
0: To- and I'd never <laughs> seen a Jersey barrier. I'd be going down 17. No high school would be right there. <laughs> no but I had to go 20 miles. I didn't know what a Jughead. Oh, my. And then we had no money to stay overnight. So I would wake up in the morning. Yep. I couldn't remember to this day. 84 to 684 to 281 to, you know, 17. Yep. And I would recruit. You know, back then you'd recruit. Mickey Smith tells, still tells the story to this day. I'd recruit like eight, nine schools a day. Then I would drive back yep. 17 to 287 over the Tappan Z or the Cuomo Bridge yep. now. And then I'd go back. I was so tired. There was a rest stop that probably wasn't 30 miles from Western Connecticut. But I had to pull over. We had Chevy Chevettes <laughs> that were like go-karts. And, and I would pull over and sleep um, and then go back. And we would have these little cards that all the kids had to fill out. They were probably four inches high and six inches wide, and we would have stacks of cards that we'd have to go through with Coach Pascalone.
1: Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Coach P, uh, can you explain how important it was in your development as a coach to work with Coach Pascalone? And just, you know, people not familiar with Coach Pascalone really have no idea, you know, the type of coach he well, was, he was can you just kind of well, explain that, you know, a little bit about coach Pascaloni?
0: Yeah. Coach Pascaloni is a Cheshire, Connecticut native. And he was, you know, still to this day, tall, handsome guy, you know, uh, came from a farm in Cheshire, Connecticut, um, was an all state linebacker at Cheshire, Connecticut, went to Bordentown um, military school in Northern New Jersey, and then was a walk on here at Penn state and lettered um, in 1971. He went back and coached uh, elementary school in Cheshire. And then George DeLeon, who I, we all know uh, passed away about a month ago, a little over a month ago, was the head coach of Southern Connecticut. And so Coach Pascalone, um, who is a very intense, um, in, in, highly intelligent uh, had, or his work ethic, obviously from being brought up on a farm and detailed in um, football, you know, uh, just consumed him. And so he went to work for George DeLeon in Southern Connecticut, originally was the linebackers coach. Um, Dennis Goldman, George, you know, coach DeLeon was the head coach, Paul Pascalone, a bunch of terrific, terrific coaches. And um, so he, he uh, learned his trade, I would say from George DeLeon. Again, God rest his soul. And, and, and certainly um, was uh, Kevin Gilbride's defensive coordinator. Then he went to, western connecticut and coach Pasqualoni had a work ethic to this day he coaches the d-line at the carolina panthers um that you know really um no one could match uh other than you know obviously coach dealing you know maybe dennis coleman those guys no one could match and he was a tremendously detailed he was a hard driver um you know uh i i and i still to this day um send him texts and uh I think I was able to last in the profession for 42 years uh, in great part. Matter of fact, when we were at Boston College, he was there for a a short period of time. And Coach Adagio would always have us speak to the team on Friday nights, each coach. We could talk about whatever we talked about. And I spoke to the Boston College team, I think it was in 2017. And and I'm reiterating what I'm about to tell you was, you know, really – um, I did the best I could as a young 23, 24, 25 year old, but he taught us um, he taught us work ethic, which you know, uh, I won't speak for Chris Ripon or Marsh Petrosio or for Steven Dasger or any of the other guys. Sometimes I was able to upheld. Sometimes it wore me out and it took me as I got older to look back to uh, upheld that work ethic. But he taught us the right way to teach. He taught us about how to conduct ourselves on the field and off the field. He always used to talk about separation. We were all 22, 23, 24 years old and there were a lot of, you know, guys and gals that were our age that we were coaching. And he taught us about separation, you know, from being, you know, from being a coach to our relationship with the players and uh, um, he taught us detail. He taught us work ethic in recruiting and uh, um, and I just I was. Just, I'm just very, very fortunate that I got to spend three years with Coach Pasqualoni, and then two more at Boston College. And and you know, um, I'm always greatly indebted to um, his knowledge, his demeanor, and, and really that's the way. Um, certainly, Chris, myself, Mars, Steve, that's the way our demeanor. You know, nowadays. Um, you know, you still can carry that demeanor, but maybe not quite to the extent that, you know, we were when we were young coaches. But um, I think we were taught the right way. We were taught the right work ethic, how to conduct yourself. And, and uh, we all did it at different levels uh, um, as best as we could. Certainly, Chris Ripon's had a wonderful career. Marsh Petrosha is one of the winningest coaches in the state of Connecticut, both at, you know, uh, Staples and now at Trumbull. Steve Adagio, his record speaks for himself. Me, I just, you know, I'm just a soldier, and I have, you know, I've been enjoying being a soldier for 42 years, and i have had some great experiences. And so, and it's all because, in great part, and we all have mentors after that, but it all stems from Paul Pascal and it's just, just that's a fact, and no one can argue it.
1: Yeah, and I've never really met Coach Pasqualoni. I've seen him. I might have been introduced to him once, but I yeah. saw him speak at a clinic once when I was a young coach. I'd have been a I might have been a G8 SMU at the time, and he was, like, speaking at a glazier clinic in Dallas, I think. And uh, yeah. and someone asked him – I, I don't even know what the topic was, so, but someone asked him an off-topic question, like, how do you do quarterback center exchange? You know what I mean? Oh, God, and God. he spoke for 25 minutes on it. Oh, you know, absolutely. I, I mean, I was like, holy mackerel. I mean, and he was yeah. – was, it was definitely speaking defense at the time. And for some reason he got switched topics and then he talked yeah. about quarterback center exchange. And I was like, Holy Mac. I had never yeah, yeah. never heard a guy as detailed speak about an off topic thing that I didn't even know he knew about. And then I was like, Holy Mac. Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. One of the most, uh, uh, um,
1: accomplished
0: coaches in both sides of the ball. And of course, when he went to the you know Dallas Cowboys, he went there as a tight ends coach. He never coached the tight ends. And, uh, you know, when I went to, uh, um, when I went to uh, Kansas state and then the Rams, he sent me all, all his material and yeah, he's one of the most accomplished coaches in the United States of America. And, it, and it's even the young people know who he is, but it's the circle of life. I'm not sure they appreciate exactly um you know, the weight that he carries for certainly those of us who are in our 50s and 60s. No question.
1: Like like when I give my recruiting talk to our recruits here, I'll talk about eras. I'll talk about the Pascalonia era because obviously you guys made the playoffs, had a great run. And I'll even say, you know, Coach P went from here, became the head coach of Syracuse for 20 years, and every kid that got like a blank stare has no idea what I'm talking about. You know, then I'll say, oh, then I'll be like, well, he's coaching the NFL. Like, oh, okay, he's in the NFL right now. But but, yeah. but you know, you know who's shaking their heads are the dads, the dads in the back. Oh, like, God, oh yeah, yeah, Coach P. I remember who Coach P. is and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. So
0: probably he and George DeLeon for their error. Probably the two. I don't know if there's a more respected, you know, no two coaches in the history of Connecticut, and then
1: uh, you, know you, know, about, so a, you know what's funny about what's funny, what's funny about Coach DeLeon is everybody's got a George DeLeon story. You know what I mean? Oh God! My, mine was I was speaking of that Glazier Clinic. I think the one that Coach P. spoke, and I think it was there. But I was uh young GA at SMU picking up coaches at the airport, driving, you know, to speak and back. Sure. And sure. uh, So I pick up George at the airport, and, and he's like uh, – and we're talking. He's like, are you Catholic? And I'm like, yeah, I'm Catholic. You know what I mean? Can you take me to church tomorrow? So then yeah. – uh, so I take him to church Sunday morning, and I drive him to church. I stand next to him. I don't even know him. I'm a young coach. I didn't know who Coach DeLeon is at the time.
0: Yeah, and sure. And
1: then, then every single time I met him from that point on – Coach, I appreciate you taking me to church. And you know what oh. I mean? We developed a bond over me taking him to church and never forgot it and stuff. So, but when, as, when as, we, yeah, when go we got
0: let go, when we got let go at Boston College, and then I, I did some work for uh, Penn State from home in Boston and in, in the Detroit Lions. And then I went to Colorado State and then we got let go. Now, this is a guy that's fighting cancer for four or five years, maybe longer. I don't know. Right up until when he passed away, I mean, he would we would talk, and I never worked for him. Now I knew him from yeah. playing against him and from being you know, obviously. He would call me, Joe. I, I think he'd call me every two weeks. I don't want to embellish. See how I was doing. What do you got going? You know what? You know what, what? Here's what I got, Coach. I think this is good. I, I mean, up into two weeks before he passed away, and I mean, he just a tremendous. You know, I, I'm very fortunate that, as you know. You know, and I, I certainly didn't play for him like Chris and Mars and you know some of the guys, but I felt so fortunate that I got without the a chance to get to know. him. Yeah. I, I feel the same
1: way, and you know, I've never played. I did coach with him. You know, I just met him a couple times, but yeah, maybe the, one of the most unique men that's ever walked the earth, as far oh, as the impact he has on. You know, when he passed away, you know, God bless his soul. The amount of people that posted social media about Coach oh. and like everybody knew Coach DeLeon.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. No question. No question. You know, uh, so, you know, I guess the the last thing I want to talk about is, you know, because I I have a bunch of young coaches and and it's I I, I always say to them when I hire a young coach, it's my job, hopefully to prepare you. You know what I mean? As a young coach, but also get you your next next job. Sure. And then just uh, you know just the challenges of breaking into coaching as a young coach you know and then some of the hardships that you've you've had to go through and like you said you were let go of Colorado State you were let go here you know what I mean it's it's not oh, yeah. the, it's not the easiest business I one time when I was at Rhode Island we got let go and I had to find a job so I I've only fortunately had to go through that one time but it's a it's not a business for everyone it's not a job for everyone but obviously it's a rewarding business
0: oh there's no question I you know it, it's you know, I'm getting older, so I don't want to be, you know, the old crotchety guy. But I think some of these younger folks, you know, and I think it's social media. I think it's ESPN, NFL Network. You know, they all they all like if you ever listen to listen to a podcast from, uh, um, oh god, the defensive coordinator of uh, uh, the Atlanta Falcons. He said all these young people now they want to be coordinators in the NFL at 25 years old, and you know, you know, around. In my older age, people are like, well, you've had a nice career and you've had a great, you know. I said, and and, and guys I get close with, GAs, young coaches, I'm like, guys, I didn't get my first 1A job till I was 47 years old. And I said, and and, and the person I'm speaking with, Dean Pease, who's the coordinator of the Falcons, been everywhere with the, with yep. the Patriots for Kent years. State. Kent State, absolutely. I mean, you could you know you you could look it up on uh, I mean uh, on uh, YouTube. He talks about how he didn't get into the NFL till he was I think fifty four or fifty. I think he was said he was fifty four or maybe fifty seven. I think, you know, uh, the young people now uh, you know again not their fault, but they want instant gratification and you know I mean it's just. Yeah all levels of football you can you know find enjoyment and and, and listen this is why we we coach i don't know how i ended up where i ended up but i wanted to coach football because i loved football i wanted to be around young men teach the game stay involved and um you know if i never got let go in in 19 i guess it was 86 or 87 from central connecticut i'd still be there teaching phys ed coaching at central Connecticut. i mean I mean, it just kind of worked out. I, I never, I never had any aspirations. In it. And you, you got to be careful the way you choose it. There's, you know, that if you don't have, you know, you don't want to be a coordinator or head coach, you're like, well, why, you know, I've been asked, why not coach? I go, because I just wanted to, I, I just wanted to be a teacher. I wanted my room. I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted the best I could be. And I don't know, I think so many young people being a head coach, I worked with a guy, Dave Brock, at Kansas State. I, Brock. Brock was,
1: at I, was, I was here with Brock for a year.
0: Yeah, and Brock, he always said it when we were at Kansas State. Being a head coach, hard job. Being a head coach, hard job. And, and it, you know, there's only a few special people now that can do it and do it well. Being coordinator, people will coach. I mean, you're only a coordinator once. I said, well, I don't know if I had the patience, the mind, and it doesn't mean I didn't have confidence in myself. I just wanted to be the best position coach I could be have my room, love my kids, develop them. And that's really how my career has gone. And I'm not sure, and again, I mean this with sincerity, if that's the way, if there's too many young people nowadays who think like that. Whether that's good or bad, I don't know. But I just enjoyed working with my room, recruiting my area, coaching my position, and developing my relationships with my
1: parents. Here's a question for you because the, the the coaching profession has changed. I think, especially at the the one A oh, yeah. level, especially with the layers sure. layers of coaches. Like you're you're an offensive analyst right now. Yes,
2: yes. If
1: you, can you just kind of talk? Uh, you know, kind of like there. Like in the old days, there's probably what nine full time guys at, at Penn yeah. State, and how many? Maybe four, five GAs, and that was it. How many? Yeah, that's how many? Right. Coach- well, in the
0: old days, nine full t- in one A football. Yep. nine full timers. Some schools, Bowling Green, the MAC, they had eight full timers, yep. and at, back in those days, it was two graduates.
1: Okay. Yep.
0: And 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 that was that was it. One on offense, one on defense. And now, I think you know people ask me, well, what are you doing now, coach? I said, well, I'm an analyst. You know, whether you know we're at, you know at Penn State. Well, well what's that all about? I said, well, I think the, and it's good. I think these jobs are developed for two types of people, depending how the head coach sees They're developed for guys who've finish graduate assistantships and can't get a full time their their own room, as we put it in the profession, or full full time, although analysts are all full time jobs. Um, well not all, but most. Um, they can't get their own room. So they're a way for them to continue in the profession. And obviously they're more, they're more in one A football, I believe. Yeah. it's been yep. a while since I've been in one double A. And then these analyst jobs are for guys who are older like me that have some life's experiences in the profession and um, and you know, get to be able to continue um, coaching guys that don't want to, you know, retire or, you know, not quite ready to leave coaching. Like I was brought here when coach Franklin contacted me, I was still at Colorado state and I said, you know, coach, what do you want me to do for you? He goes, I want you to bring your experiences. I want you to work with the offensive line coach, Phil Trotwine who I coached in the NFL And I want you to, you know, I want you to help develop the run game. So I think they're good positions. I think they're great positions to keep people in football. Um, And uh, it's a blessing that, you know, they've created these positions over the last four or five years, six years. um, And, you know, they've even talked about they say the SEC is going to start it first, like in pro football. Like when I was with the Rams, or when I was with the Patriots, now I was, you know, a national scout with the Patriots, but I did work a little bit with the O line in mini camps and in preseason. I mean, it was a very small staff. Coach Spagnolo, Springfield College graduate, now the coordinator of, uh, of uh, the Chiefs. When we were at the Rams, we only had Andy Andy Sugarman was our only quality control guy on offense, and Matt House, who's now the defensive coordinator of LSU, was the only quality control. Now we have ten field coaches here at Penn State. We have ten analysts: wow. five on offense, four on defense, one on special teams. There, you know, there's there's twenty one, twenty two, twenty three coaches there. Yeah. Here's,
1: here's a question I have for you: with it seems like Division One, especially, and we got to obviously recruit our butts off here at, at our level, but recruiting has gotten crazy at that level, right? Oh yeah. Now, do you, think yeah. that, do you think that eventually they'll spin off recruiting from coaching on the road? Do you think they're going to get guys from doing recruiting and coaching and just almost have like a scouting department like in the yeah, NFL? Yeah, I think it's – As a matter of fact, to. It's doesn't tr- it doesn't to. Yeah,
0: they, 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 they've hired – Coach Franklin's hired with his new contract. Part of it wasn't money for him. It was recruiting staff. We've hired yeah. one, two, Rashad, Irby, Rashad, um, Rich, Rashad Irby, Rashad, Rich. I think within the last couple months, three guys, we, we have, you know, an army of recruiting and, and it has to be like that with the N, NLI or national letterman. Uh, you know, with the, now the money being paid. Yep. I mean, there's going to be departments for that alone. We have Dan Cabala who that's all he does is um, go out and research, you know, um, who will, you know, uh, you know, who will fund and help fund programs. Now it's, whereas I think, in years past, it was how big are your facilities? That's how you, in Division One A, in the Power Five. It's, same of it's the same anywhere. It's the same anywhere. know what do your facilities look like? You know, what are your facilities? I think, Joe, it's going to get away from that now. You still have to have nice facilities, but what can you offer me monetarily? Yeah, it's all legal
1: now. Yeah, there's no secret to A&M in Texas from no, the no, top five, yeah, right? No
0: secret. Now everybody who was cheating 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, now it's all legal. Yeah. So, and, and you know, in a way, it's good uh, um, that now it's up front. And uh, uh, yeah. your question, I think these departments, whether the you know the NLI or NIL, <laughs> I get, it jams me up all the time. There's going to be a department there, and there, there's already massive recruiting
1: department. Yeah, you know what? I mean, what's crazy is is somehow the NCAA has figured out how to pay the players where the schools don't have to pay them.
0: Yeah, it's actually yeah, ge- yeah.
1: it's actually genius, really. Like, yeah, it's like yeah. they, they don't know how to pay, pay every kid that's getting paid from an outside source, and so it's.
0: I'm just afraid. I don't know if I'm right, but I'm just afraid. Um, they'll definitely worry. You know, there's 130 teams that play one A football. There's, I think, you know, 120 something played Division two. There's 300 something that played Division three. Yeah, right? Around that,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, I- I'm just afraid that. In each level, let's just talk about one A football. That in within five years, you know, uh, will such and such a group of five be able to keep up with the Joneses? Without a question, you know what I mean. It's scary, it's all, and
1: I, it's, it's booster based. Like that's yeah, like it's going to be who's got the best boosters over. Like you yeah. said, yeah. And, but I guess in the past, the boosters are building the facilities and stuff anyway. So yeah, yeah,
0: uh, yeah. You're probably right. Yeah, that's, that's probably, what you know. Good. That's
1: it's one of the unique things about being at this level. That that uh, you know, it's it's nice that you know, obviously we get to recruit, we get to do all those things. But it's really throwback football that we go on the road recruiting in December. We you know we go out in May. We do what it's nothing's really changed at this level and hasn't affected it. So it's actually, you know, it's not so bad. being oh, down here, you know. Let me
0: tell you something. There, there is no question about that. I mean, I, I tell my wife all the time, I'm like, you know, if I got to, you know, you know, if, if I ever get a chance, you know, to, to you know, go and, and coach a position, you know, uh, maybe if, if it's by the house, you know, by I live in Boston, I'm, I, you know, but it, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Coach Franklin's been great here, and the, the staff has been wonderful. So I'm enjoying this experience being here. So, but yeah, it,
1: it's 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 interesting where football is turning. So, sure is. Coach Leonard, I got a question for you. Who else from your yeah. era do I need to get on here and talk West Con football from the mid '80s? I'd love to get on. Oh, you got to talk to.
0: You have to talk to Chris Ripon, Mars Petrasio and Steve Adagio. Those Can, are the guys. What about Coach
1: Pasqualoni? Can I get Coach P on here? You think? Yeah,
0: I think so. I, yeah. you know what? Coach P, to some he seems unapproachable. Yeah. But if you get him talking about Western Connecticut, if you yeah. get a hold of him, and you say, Coach, I want to do a piece on Western Connecticut, I mean, he will. He he he. You'll see the biggest smile on his face because although he has had an unbelievable star-studded career, if you start talking to him, he is a he is a down-to-earth. Humble guy, and he has tremendous fond memories of his one, two, three, four, five, I think five five years at Western Yeah, because
1: I was here. Yeah, my, oh,
0: yeah, he'll love
1: it. Yeah, my first year was probably six years when I was a young coach here, six years after he was gone, so I still – heard the coach Pasqualoni stories like i said i just oh, he'd love i just him. don't know him you know I, I you know i know coach Ripon i will i think i can get coach Ripon here and uh so
0: yeah rip would love it yeah marsh Petrasio, yep. steve but you got to get coach pasqualoni yep. he would love it love it
1: yeah yeah well, well, Coach, I appreciate you coming on here today. I really do. Oh, my do.
0: God, I love it. And
1: you know to stop by anytime you're on campus here, too.
0: You know what? Uh, now that I'm going, my family still lives in Boston, and I'm sincere about this. I, I go right by Western yeah. Connecticut. When in. appropriate, I absolutely will stop yeah.
1: by. Yes, awesome. Trust
0: me when I tell you. Yeah. And, uh, if you ever need anything, Please, you know, give me a
1: call. And the other guy that said, you know, was going to say hello is Bart. You know, it's crazy that Bart was here since you've been here, like in '82. No Bart was first year, so I know he. No, no, this doubt. just didn't time up where he could do this today. But I know he was looking forward to saying hi to you and, and, and Please catching Please tell up him with...
0: I said hello.
1: Definitely will. Definitely will. And,
0: and Mark yeah. Allen too. Make yeah, sure I definitely you will. Mark Allen.
1: Yeah, it's great. Okay. It's it's. You know what's funny is I got hired here in 2012, and I left here in '96. Mark Allen's uh-huh. still here. Ed Farrington's still here. Scott Ames oh, yeah. is still the SID. Like the cast of characters at Western Connecticut hadn't changed in like 20 years. Uh, oh,
0: yeah. Awesome. Yeah, you know? awesome. So uh, that's great. Yeah. That's great. I certainly appreciate you having me
1: on. Yeah. Then once again, I appreciate you coming on here today, Coach. Great
0: meeting you. I love it. Yeah, Let's stay good. in contact.
1: Yeah. yeah, I'll talk to you. Bye-bye. Bye.
2: Well, good stuff. From Coach Leonard, and Coach Law, great to great to be able to hear uh, Frank again because uh, really, uh, of all the the people who have been assistants over the years, uh, he is a guy who immediately comes to mind for his. His contributions and his dedication. And it's great to be able to follow the careers of a lot of these assistants. We've uh, had Salgado, Serres, uh, who became a head coach here at Westcom before moving on to the National Football League, and of course, uh, now having great success in the Ivy League. It's so good to see these individuals, and it's great to see Coach Leonard still in the game. He has so much. To contribute, I don't think Frank hangs him up, even if he hits hundred years of age. <laughs> no question. I mean, he is one. Of, he's just one of the best. And look, like yourself, one of the you know answer to
1: a trivia question. Really, like yourself. Well, you know the the thing that I loved about the interview and uh, in talking with Coach was once again digging into the history of Western Connecticut football. You know, if it's not spoken of now, you know what I mean. If it's not documented, sometimes that history goes away. Though I am sitting here with the all-time greatest Western Connecticut historian himself, and Bart Pasternak, <laughs> who's seen more football <laughs> games and seen more, really, has has seen the history of Western Connecticut football, uh, which is what makes this podcast hopefully so great. When when was your first year? Literally, first game you you came and saw Western Connecticut? Uh, it would have been in the late
2: yeah man. In, in,
1: Late nineteen eighty, who would have been right in that, yeah. right in that wheelhouse year? Yeah, excellent. So that's what that's what makes this so unique is you having the ability to, you know. You go farther back than I do with Western Connecticut football. And-, and I should point out my parents
2: took me here. I was only six months old <laughs> uh, at the time. So there's not much I remember
1: about the game itself. Uh, but the the hot dogs were great. You know, you know the, the other thing I'd like to talk a little bit about here, Bart, is your background in sports. Because a lot of people are like, love your voice. Know you've been the voice of Western Connecticut. But... If you could just kind of talk a little bit about your your background in sports and stuff like that, that'd be. I think people would love to hear that. Well, well, we will do
2: that. We'll save that for a podcast episode. Okay. We'll talk a little bit about the, the background and uh, lots of the the interesting people I've met along the way, including a guy who spent some time here in Connecticut, the great Manute Bull. Remember Manute Bull? I know his son is Bull Bull. I do know that. <laughs> yes. Well, Manute, Manute was here. And, and let me tell you, there. – you know, Manu bowl was here. But, well, he was he he was in the state of Connecticut. He was not here in Westgun. Uh, we didn't get that lucky. We could get Manu Bowl to play here. But but I, but I would definitely like to get into a podcast where we
1: talk about your background with this.
2: Yeah, team. we can. You know, we can do that as long as there are no like surprises and suddenly my mom is going to fly in from Colorado. This is your life. Exactly. Oh my gosh! No, you don't. You know, because my mother my mother still thinks that that the games are not civilized enough, okay? <laughs> so it would be hard explaining yeah, football and a few other things to her. In any event, we got to ramp things up. We'll be back with another WestCon Football Podcast down the road with more interesting guests. We have so many great former players to be talking to. Hope you'll join us here for the WestCon Football Podcast. The Westcon Football Podcast is a production of WCSU Media, engineered by Peter Puccio and produced by Scott Folby. Listen and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us find new listeners. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at WCSU Media, and feel free to reach out to us by email at podcasts at wcsu.edu. Thanks for listening.